0: Regardless of of where you're at today, regardless of what you've done, the Bible says that the Heavenly Father in His unconditional love, that He's joyfully welcoming you home as sons and daughters. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. It's really good to see all you guys today. Uh, truly, we are really grateful that you guys would come and, and uh, hang out with us today. Uh, just. For info's sake, my wife and I normally don't sound quite this good. Uh, We're kind of struggling. You know, fellas, how many of you guys know that uh, your wife's not that hot when she sounds like Mr. T? But uh, for you, for you. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Look, I ain't kissed my wife in like a week and a half uh, because I was afraid I was going to get this. But she kept pawing on me. and So anyways, I'm uh, not feeling that good. Anyways, it's good to see all you guys. Man, it's it's a joy to come and celebrate Easter. Amen. So, uh, before we dive into what I want to talk about, I want to actually read a, a portion of scripture out of Matthew chapter 20, starting off in verse 17, and we'll throw it up on the screen here so everybody can see it. But it says this it says, He, this is Jesus, says, He took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. He said in verse 18, Listen, we're going to go up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man, that's him, will be betrayed. To the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. It says, then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Gang, that's the Easter message in a nutshell. Yeah, that's why we're here to celebrate this morning, because as we've been singing this morning, Jesus is alive. Amen? Now, listen, before we pray, I simply want to say this that uh this morning not to take away from anything of today's celebration but but i just feel in my heart that we're supposed to step aside from the traditional easter message I, i think there's some things that god wants to say to some people and and i uh I just want to obey. I'll just make it plain and simple. So, so uh, we're going to kind of step off the beaten path today, but it's going to be good because I want people to see at the outcome what Jesus really accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. So with that, let's pray, and we will dive in. So, Father, thank you again. Lord, we've been praying for weeks, God, for today. And Lord, we just ask you once again, God, that your presence would come and fill this place, God, that you would come and that you would touch every person's heart. Lord, I realize that there's people that are here today that that church is maybe a new thing or maybe not a common thing. And then there's uh, us other people, God, that, that are really used to all this. And Lord, the truth is, is God, you can speak to every one of us. And so, Lord, we just ask, God, in this moment, in fact, Lord, we just say to you that we're open up our hearts, And Lord, we just thank you for speaking to us and talking to us. And Lord, we just believe that today is going to be a significant day in our lives, a significant day in our journey with you. And Lord, that uh, today, today, today that we're going to meet you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, when I, when I read the Gospels, and the Gospels are uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when I read those books, one of the, the main things that sticks out to me personally about Jesus is this. It's the guy really knew the power of a story. You know, if you think about it, time and time again, we see, once again, in the Gospels, Jesus captivating an audience with some spiritual truth as he did what? As he was being a storyteller. And, uh, you know, I personally believe that one of the main reasons that Jesus so often chose to share stories is because he knows that in every single person, when we hear a story, it's almost like within us, we dive into that story. Is that not true? It's like, you know, we, we go watch a movie, we read a book, we hear a song and, you know, and, and unintentionally what happens as we're, as we're watching and hearing, we, we end up, uh, Laughing, We end up crying. We end up getting angry. We we end up feeling all these emotions that the person on the screen feels. Why? Because uh, somewhere along the line, uh, we stepped into their shoes. Yes? And and so with that kind of thought in mind today, I want to take a look at what is widely considered as Jesus's most famous story that he ever told. And it's in uh, Luke chapter 15. I'm going to use a translation today that probably most people in here don't have. So don't really worry about trying to find it. Just look at the screen. And we'll, and we'll walk the dog together. It's going to take us a while to get through this, uh, but I believe it's going to be good. And I just encourage you, once again, if this is new to you or not, just open your heart up. Uh, God loves you and he wants to talk to you. Amen? So going to Luke chapter 15, I want to set this up. Uh, it says this in verse 1. It says that many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. I want to pause there for a second. Everybody say this with me. Say, notorious sinners. Notorious sinners. Here's what I like about Jesus. Here's the truth. is that notorious sinners, and, and by that it basically means that the, the lowest of the low, those people love to hang around Jesus. And, and the cool part was is that Jesus actually liked hanging around them. And, in fact, the Bible says this about Jesus. It says that he was a friend of sinners right and and to kind of get that it doesn't mean that he was friendly to them that when he saw them high it it doesn't mean that it actually means that he considered them his friend and actually when you look at that in the original language it basically means this is that is that when he saw Chuck Willie Norris Smith across the street that awful guy that everybody hated when he saw him he would actually make a beeline and run across the street so he could talk to him pretty cool yeah So as you can expect, that mentality that Jesus had, religious leaders didn't like that too much. They still don't like it today. It says this actually in verse 2. It says that this friendship thing that Jesus had with these people raised concerns with the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Why? Because history tells us when those guys saw Notorious Sinner Chuck Willie Norris Smith, whatever I said a while ago, when they saw him across the street, or sorry, when they saw him actually walking down the same side street as them, they would actually duck their head across the other side because they didn't want to be associated with them. So here they are. They're seeing Jesus talk to these sinners. And it says that that they became indignant, so much so that they grumbled And they complain, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them to come to him. You see, these so-called religious leaders, most of us know them as simply as this, as Pharisees or scribes, right? Uh, These guys were known to be arrogant and judgmental. And in fact, they had this nasty little habit of of elevating their legalistic views and their uh, legalistic rules above things like this. Love, compassion, and mercy. And, and so if you kind of can, uh, grab a hold of this picture with me. So unlike today, once again, if we could rewind the story, it's a really nice sunny day, and Jesus is hanging out with his disciples at the dock. And, uh, and I kind of see them. they're watching the boats kind of come in, checking out everybody's catch. And, uh, you know, they're probably sitting around joking, eating some fish and chips, fresh catch, no doubt, right? And uh, they're sipping on a glass of sweet tea, because I believe Jesus was a southerner. And... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, and so, and almost out of nowhere, this this crowd of just uh, rebellious society's outcasts, they begin to, they spot Jesus and they begin to come to him. And I see them, uh, you know, coming over there with Jesus, is hanging with the disciples. They start slapping a high five, giving a handshake, giving a bro hug, right? Pat three times, right? And so, uh, you know, basically just, uh, you know, engaging in conversation. And of course, When that begins to happen, this draws out that good old self-righteous religious leaders like a pack of wolves to the kill, right? And so what they do, as soon as they come up, they do what they always do. They immediately begin to gripe and complain that that here's Jesus again talking to these people. He thinks he's holy. He's not holy. Now watch this. Surely Jesus heard them expressing their disapproval. And what did Jesus do? He's so different than us because most of us would defend ourselves. Jesus just said... This, watch, look at verse three. I'm getting ahead of myself. But here's what he said. He says, in response, in other words, what they said, Jesus gave them this illustration. Uh, other translation says he told a story. So watch this. With this audience in mind, Jesus actually decides to tell a three-part story that basically drew in his his listeners once again the sinners and the religious leaders alike basically he made them as kind of like main characters in the story in the narrative and by doing this he not only exposed their spiritual condition but the greater point was is he wanted to show them how much god loved them yes and this three-part story consists of this the lost sheep the lost coin and the lost son now three important thoughts i want to give you here And once again we're just setting this up Notice that the word lost, some people they have an issue with that word lost, but lost simply means this. It's just not where it's supposed to be. It's that simple. It's not where it's supposed to be. The next thing I want you to notice is this. It was one sheep, one coin, one son, meaning this, that God loves each one of us, right? And lastly, the thing I want you to notice is this. and This is just kind of a thought for us. Have you ever noticed that it's impossible to lose something that has no value to you? I, real quick, I can't tell you the whole story. wish I could. Time won't let me. But, um, you know, I've never lost a penny. I've never lost a nickel. I've never even lost a dollar, right? But last, last uh, June, my wife and I were in, in Orford, Canada on our honeymoon. Uh, honeymoon. We didn't get just married. On our anniversary. <laughs> it was like a honeymoon. But anyway, so we but we were on our anniversary. And, uh, and we were out, you know, running about town. And I lost my wallet, now, how many of you guys know that at that moment, it wasn't a dollar missing? It, it, was, it was my life that was missing, right? Anyways, I went into panic mode. More on that another time. But the point is, is this, is that it is impossible to lose something that you don't value. And so the point that Jesus was trying to make real quick by these three things is that this, is that none of these guys, if they were the sinners or if they were the Pharisees, none of them really knew who God was. They didn't They didn't know who God is. They were lost, right? But he absolutely loved them and he valued them. And, and so much so that there was a rescue mission at hand, that was happening actually at that moment. They just didn't even know it, right? So here's what I want to do. I want to fast forward past the, the parable of the lost sheep, fast forward past the parable of the lost coin, and I actually want to park on the lost son. Now, it's important as we read through this today that we understand this. Once again, Jesus story. He takes the people that are there, puts them in the story. So who are they in the story? The, the younger brother actually represents the sinners, the, the notorious sinners. The older brother actually represents the Pharisees or the religious leaders. And the father in this story actually represents who? God the Father. Amen? So let's start in verse 11. It says this. It says, Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Watch this. Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? Now, listen, on surface level, that might not sound so bad until you actually pull back in and you learn something about the culture. And the culture, basically what he was saying is this when he asked for his inheritance. He was basically walking up to his dad and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. And uh, listen, I don't know if you're a father in here, but I don't know if I'd like that too much. Any dads in here? Yeah, that wouldn't be too cool, would it? So anyways, in essence, what he said was this. He says, whatever I'm going to get when you die, man, can you go ahead and give that thing to me? Because as far as I'm concerned, you're dead to me. So watch this. Uh, over the years, I've heard people describe this younger son as rebellious. And, and that's, you know, not necessarily I disagree with that. But the word that I would prefer to use in describing him would be this word. And don't miss this. That it's the word Independent. I believe that this young guy desired his independence so much that he was willing to surrender his relationship with his father to get it. And what that means is simply this, is that that he wanted to gain control of his life. He wanted control. Now, this reminds me of a verse, and I'll just throw one in there. We'll go back to to chapter 15. But Isaiah 53, 6 says this about each one of us. It says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away We have left God's path to follow our own. Yes, the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. Is that not why we have Easter? Yes. Good Friday. He laid the sins of the world on his son. Right. And the truth is, is there's not one person that's absent from that scripture. All of us fit there. Yes, I do. You do. We, we've all been there. OK, so. So watch this. Go back to the story. Dad, I wish you were dead. How does the father respond to this request? Watch this. Remember, he resembles the father. It says, so the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Why? Because we have a free will right? In other words, we'll let you do what you want to do. Now, culture says that the older son watch this, the older son got two-thirds the younger son got his one-third. So the younger son took his one-third of the inheritance i grant this, it's not, this is like land and cattle and all that, okay? But, but it says that shortly afterwards the younger son did this, this is literally what it means in the Greek language, it means that he took all of his assets and he sold them off and he turned it into cash, shoved it in his pocket and it says this that shortly after that, right, he packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he had, all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. Now, I want you to remember something here. Jesus is talking about the notorious sinners. Therefore, this far off land that is talking about here doesn't necessarily represent some geographical location gang uh, as much as it does this. It refers to the distance between their heart and God's heart. They were in a far-off land. They were far from their father. And then it says in verse 14, it says, With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry. I would like to add, he grew empty. It says, For there was a severe famine in the land. One thought here, and we'll push on. Guys, you realize that sin will take you to places you never wanted to go, and it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay there. God, that is so true. Yes? That sin will take you to places that you never wanted to go, and it will keep you longer than you wanted to stay there. Now listen, here's this guy. He's in a far-off land. He's lost everything and a desperation. This guy, he's in survival mode. And it says in verse 15, it says, so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. Now i got to say something here. That uh, it actually means, if you read in other translations, it says that he joined himself to a foreigner. Is that right? For you folks walk in church, right? It says he joined himself to a foreigner in another land. The word joined there... The word join is actually the same word of that when a man marries a woman, that they sexually are joined together and they become one. And so what scholars believe that this, that this uh, Jewish boy did is that he actually, after he lost everything, he was in such a desperate state that he was trying to find some way of survival that he actually uh, basically engaged in homosexual activity to be able to get hired for a job. Right And it says this: that this farmer, that clearly something happened with it, says the farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. Now, now, if you read anything in the Bible, you find that Jews don't deal with pigs. they only bacon, poor fellas, right? I love bacon. But so for this guy, this is like, I mean, listen, they weren't even allowed to touch him, weren't allowed to get near them. So this is the bottom of the barrel, right? And it says in verse 16, that the son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs. I spent a good portion of my life on a farm slopping the hogs. That's bad news right there. It says, because no one would feed him a thing. The only thing I want to say here is this, and please don't miss this. Uh, uh, look how far he had fallen. All for what? For independence, for control. What? For a little bit of separation from the Father. Look what it got him. And then it says in verse 17, and I feel like there's people here today that understand this feeling, that he was humiliated. That the son finally realized that what he was doing. I love the other translation. It says that he finally came to his senses. Has anybody ever had that moment? I know I have. And I finally came to my senses. And it says, and he thought this. Watch this. Please don't miss this. There are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Here's what I believe that happened. If I can pause for a second. Is I believe that in, the, in, in, the, in his state of brokenness, of emptiness, that he began to remember the good things about his father. Amen. See, the Bible says in Romans that it's the goodness of God, not the great terror of God, but it's the goodness of God that causes us to repent. What does repent mean? It simply means to turn around. So what happened was, is he was out here on his own, and and, and what happened is he realized, oh my God, I made a mess of this thing, and he's like, man, I I, what, oh man, my father's good, and that goodness caused him to literally turn around, right? And then he said this, he said, why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? He said, I want to go back home to my father's house, and here's what I'll say to him, and he begins to prepare his speech. He said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. He said, I'll never be worthy to be called your son please father just treat me like one of your employees most translations say servant so literally this guy thought he had messed up so bad that the best he could ever do on a good day was to be a servant to be a slave so watch this with this resolve in his heart verse 20 says so the young son set off for home rehearsing his speech the whole time no doubt It says, from a long distance away, it means the father was watching. His father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, empty, beat down, beat up, broken. And he says, in great compassion swelled in his heart for his son. It says, who was returning home. So the father raced out. Most translations say it's that he ran out to meet him. This right here has got to be my favorite part. See, most people say this. Most people say that the father ran to him because he loved him. I don't deny that that's true, but I want you to think about something because I find it really interesting when we stop and we begin to look at Jewish culture and Jewish tradition. Do you realize that when a son had disrespected his father like this young man did, that he literally, that he took his wealth, took his money, wasted all the worthless things, that when a, that when a son absolutely uh, just disrespected his dad and left like that, that literally in that culture, watch this, that the people of the city had full right if they saw him coming back home, if he came back home, they could stone him. And watch this, before they stoned him, they would actually run out literally as a city and they would grab him and they would drag him to the center of the town and they would begin to basically heap insults on him, reminding him of what he had done, reminding him of his past, it's called condemnation, right? And they would begin to dog him and then they would take a pot, this is so awkward to me, and they would break the pot over his head basically and that was a symbol that he would never be worthy again to carry his father's name and then they would kill him. So may I suggest to you today that it wasn't maybe love, maybe it was mercy. Because why I think the father ran us; he was trying to outrun his accusers. Are you hearing me today? Listen, sometimes we accuse ourselves more than the devil accuses us. And Jesus is trying to outrun us. Amen? So listen, I think it was mercy. Because mercy is this. Remember, mercy does this. That mercy saves us from the punishment that we deserve. Amen? So watch this, Jesus continues the story by saying this, it says, uh, the father ran to him and he swept him up in his arms. He hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. It says, then the son said, here's speech time, father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. He was doing what? He was repenting and that was right and that was good. And then he messed up. He said, just let me be, And before he could get that word servant out of his mouth, because that's not what the Lord was doing. It says, the father interrupted and said, son, not servant, not servant. But son, you're now home. Amen. So please hear me today. Listen, regardless of how far you've wandered, gang, regardless of of where you're at today, regardless of what you've done, guess what? The Bible says that the Heavenly Father in his unconditional love is doing what? That he's joyfully welcoming you home as sons and daughters. That's good news. Amen. (laughs) See, I... I personally believe that it's here, and I don't want you to miss this, that it's there in that, that great collision, that, that here's the son coming up the road struggling and the father's running to him. I think it's in that embrace and that collision that what? That our emptiness collides with his fullness, that it's our hurt collides with his healing, that our hopelessness collides with his hope, that our depression collides with his joy, our turmoil collides with his peace, that our anger collides with his love, and guess what? Most of all, our sin collides with his forgiveness. Amen. Isn't that good news today? Listen, but here's what's so awesome. It doesn't stop there. He Because he not only wants to, please don't miss this. He not only wants to forgive us, but he wants to restore us. What does restore mean? It basically means, means to bring something back to its original condition, right? It says this in verse 22. It says, Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring the best robe, my what's well, just my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Why? Basically this, so his accusers, when they see him, guess what? That they won't see him in his past, but they'll see his future in me. Yeah. And that's so awesome that when you and I come to Jesus, right? And when we stand before the Father, guess what? We've been forgiven and God doesn't see all of our junk and our trash. But what he sees is he sees Jesus that we're clothed in the righteousness of God. Isn't that good news? Listen, then he says this. He said, bring the ring, the seal of what? The seal of sonship. It's not bondage, again, to slavery, a bondage of fear. It was what? It was, once again, he's a son. And he says, and I will put it on his finger. And it says, and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Why? Because, once again, slaves didn't wear shoes. This guy was a son, and he gave him a sense of belonging in the family. In verse 23, it says, let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. Man, let's cook some ribs and chicken, barbecue, nonetheless.'" Right? Hallelujah. For all y'all, man, let's fire up some, some clams and some chowder and some lobster. All right? Come on. All right. Verse 24 says, for this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Somebody say raised to life. Man, this boy got raised to life, right? It says, once he was lost, but now he is found, and everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. What I want you to see here is this. is through repentance, because that's key. But when he repented, the younger son went from nothing to something in an instant, right? It's this, that, that remember, remember this, that repentance brings complete restoration. That repentance, once again, it puts us back in our rightful place. And then, then I want us to go back to verse 25 here, and we're going to shut this thing down. But remember, going all the way back to the top, who's Jesus talking to? Remember, he's got old, old notorious sinners. That part was for them. And now he shifts gears to these religious leaders because, right, they, they represent the older brother. And here's what he begins to tell them. And this is definitely for some folks today. It says this. It says, Now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And it says, and he, as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. People in church don't think God's for dancing. I believe he is. I just wish he had helped me learn how to dance. (laughs) I am so white. All right. Verse 26 says, so he called over one of the servants and asked, what's going on? Get that. He's working, man. I hear music, man. What's going on? And then it says, the servant replied. It's your younger brother. He returned home, and your father's doing a party to celebrate his homecoming. And then it says this, that the older brother became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? Basically, what he's saying is, 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 you guys are acting just like the older brother when you see me hanging out with these sinners. And then it says, so his father came out, and he pleaded with him come and enjoy the feast with us. You know, I don't think I I saw this for years, but notice the same way that the father went out to the younger brother, he still went out to the older brother. That he's still pursuing out of love both groups of people. See, it's kind of a tidbit here. Culturally, it was the older son's responsibility to co-host the feast that his father was throwing. Therefore, by refusing to come into the house, he was actually... uh, you know, willingly rejecting his father. And and what I want to do today, if I can just kind of turn turn the gear a little bit here, that um, I want us to actually see how they rejected him. Because I think there's people in this room today that you've rejected him and you don't know how you've rejected him. You think that you've been doing all the right things, but I'm going to show you how you've been rejecting him. And this isn't condemnation or anything like that. It's just an observation that I feel like the Lord wants to share with us. It says this in verse 29 says, the son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked me as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me. And what? Because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. I want you to notice something. The younger brother, all of his attention was on the goodness of the father. The younger or the older brother, all of his attention was on his goodness and how great he was. Father, do you see how great I am? Do you see everything that I've done for you? And the fact is, guys, it doesn't matter if you're the younger or the older. uh, There's never a moment that we can earn some special place in the father's heart. This says this in verse 30. It says, "But look at this son of yours, right? He's just disgusting." Says he comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. Suffers, so he wasn't too far off. News got back. It says, "And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him." Then it says, then the father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Listen, the the overarching thing that I believe Jesus was trying to tell the religious leaders was this, is that through all of your uh, rule following, right? And I mean, they had hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of rules that they would follow to the T. I mean, to, to kind of give you how deep they went for you guys uh, that maybe never studied something, but, but these guys literally could not spit on the Sabbath because if they spit and, the, and their spit hit the ground and rolled over in the dirt, it was considered working. So imagine living that tight, Right, But but I believe Jesus was saying, basically, through all your rule following, you may be morally good. But even in the midst of all the things that you do right, you still don't know the Father. You don't know him. And, and here's what I feel like I need to say to some folks today from my heart. Listen, I am so grateful that you're a genuinely good person. I mean that with everything that's in me. I, you know, it's better than the opposite. Right? But, but for your own sake, I feel like I need to tell you that there's more to this God thing than just being a good person. There's more to it, gang. And, and, and so it's in, in this evaluation, an honest question, do you know him? Do you know him? Not know about him, but do you know him? L- listen, do you have a relationship with him? Do, do you understand his heart who is leading your home? Who is the leader of your marriage? Who's making decisions of your life? Who's in charge of your life? Literally, to ask today: Do you value His word? Do you know His presence? Can you tell when He comes in the room? Do, and maybe the biggest question of all: Do you love Him more than anything else? Do you love your comfort more? Do you trust in your money more? Do you trust in your job more? Do you is He your everything? Doesn't mean that we can't enjoy and love our families and all of that, but is He number one? And I and I. Uh, Contend with you today. If he's not, then you might not know him. Yes? It's just a it's simple thought, guys. And please understand this. That it is impossible to have a Savior without first recognizing that we're sinners. Now, it doesn't mean that once we give our life to Jesus that we stay in that mode. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. No, 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 no. But the first initial thing, i got to realize that I've messed up. i gotta re- I got to realize, listen, on, a, on my best day that my all my great things do not stand up, not even one second, to the holiness of God. Is that not true? Yes. See, it's this reason I want you to see that Jesus came, and we'll, we'll land this baby here. Saint Corinthians 5.21 says this, and I love this verse. This verse changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. It says, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us. In other words, when Jesus was on the cross that do you realize that, and I don't understand it all, this way beyond my smarts, right? I'm not that intelligent, right? But when he was on the cross, that the Father unloaded every sin that would ever be committed, past, present, and future, on Jesus, on that cross, that he literally bore the wrath of God and the judgment of God on that cross. Why? So you and I wouldn't have to. Man, that's the best thing that's been said all day, right? And it says this, basically, when that happened, when we come to him and we do what? We say, Jesus, my life is yours. I'm I'm a sinner, and I need you. And, and watch this. If I can maybe add something here. Uh, if you're wondering, what was the point of the resurrection? To understand that when you killed the sacrifice, and that's exactly what Jesus was, uh, the resurrection basically meant that the Father accepted the sacrifice that was made. In other words, it sealed the deal. It was good enough, right? So it says, "This for God made the only one, Jesus, who did not know sin to become sin for us. So that we who did not know righteousness, or we didn't know what he meant to be right with God. So that we might become the righteous of God. Or we might become right with God through our union with who? With Jesus. So I want to ask you a thought today. Just a thought, a question. Is this, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was Lost. Right? And we said up top that law simply means this. It's 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 it means that it's not where it's supposed to be. And I just want to ask you today, are you where you were you supposed to be at? Are you? Are you are you at where you're supposed to be at in other words, in other words, how God made you to walk with him, are you there? Are you are are you in a far off land? Are you in the backyard doing your best just to be good and thinking it's hopefully when this thing wraps up it 'll be good enough to go to heaven, yeah, so last question, I said today that we have a tendency to um, find ourselves in a story, right or as we watch it, we find ourselves there, and i 'll just kind of tell myself, I may or may not have cried watching Ice Princess, okay. <laughs> Something about those underdog stories get me. Um, they do. Everyone on them, cry like a little girl. It's bad. But I want to ask you today, do you relate to anybody in Jesus' story? Do you relate? Did you connect? And uh, I just want to simply uh, pray for you guys. If you can't, just close your eyes. Listen, there is, is not an ounce of judgment in this place today man God loves you we love you and uh, we're just here to serve and help be a mouthpiece for him and uh, man I, I don't think God's distant um, but I really believe today he wants to run to some of y'all and I really believe that he wants to come out and to another group of people and say man come on in the feast come on in the feast come and know me So I just want to simply ask today if, um, man, if you're here and you know that either that you're a long way off or you're that guy and that gal trying to just live on your own merit and your own goodness, and you're like, man, pastor, I need to repent. I need to come. I need to get right with Jesus. You might have done that before. You maybe have never done that before, but you're here today and you're like, man, I need to get right. If that's you, if you don't mind, just lift your hands. We're not going to embarrass you. Yeah, thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, today's your day. Thanks, man. Come on, there's more of y'all. Thanks. Come on, some of y'all, this is your first time here, and I'm telling you, Jesus wants to tell you something today. I'm going to tell you how you know uh, your heart's about to blow through your chest. I used to go to church when I was a kid. I'd, I'd go to church because they had a basketball team, and, and I thought I was 6'5 and I could dunk, and, and I wanted to play basketball. And uh, so I'd go to church so I could hoop it up on the team. And um, anyways, every time they would get in this moment, I wanted to run out the place. And the reason I wanted to run is because I knew I wasn't right. And I thought, man, if I could just hang on for another 10 minutes, I can, uh, I can escape this moment. And I just want you to know today, man, I'm so glad I finally surrendered. I'm glad I gave up control of my life. And, uh, man, because it's a thousand times better than what it was. Amen. Amen. So one more time. Is there anybody in the house today? Says, man, today's my day. Yep. Anybody else? All right. Awesome. Listen, we're going to pray, and everybody's going to join me and join you, and we're going to pray. And uh, man, just thank Jesus for saving us today. So if you can't church, just help me. Father God, we come to you today. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Father, today, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of running from you. I surrender today. And I give up. I see your goodness today. And I choose to come on back home. And I thank you today that you're running to me. Not because you're angry. Come on, help me out. Not because you're angry. But because you love me. So Father, today... I confess my sin and ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take my heart. I ask you to take my life. I believe Jesus. I believe He's alive. I believe He died for me. So today, I receive that free gift of salvation. I receive what He did on the cross for me. So thank you, God, for giving me a new start and a new beginning in life. Help me to serve you and to love you above all else and with all my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.